Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hello and welcome to the Game Theory Podcast. I'm your host, Sam Vicini. We are presented by The Athletic today on the show. Good friend of the program, Mo DeKeel, is in the building. Former video coordinator for the Los Angeles Clippers. Former video coordinator for the San Antonio Spurs. Former video coordinator for the Australian men's basketball team. My beautiful home country of Australia. Mo has done better service to this country than I have. Uh, (laughs) I don't know if I'd go that far, but I I tried. I tried to provide some basketball wins. More got to hang out in Australia with Matt Nielsen and Joe Ingles uh, than anything else. Mo is a part of the Athletic Podcast Network. He's on Nerd or She Wrote, which goes live Thursdays or Fridays, Mo. I can Fridays, Fridays. We record Thursdays. It comes out Friday. It'll be up tomorrow. You'll be able to double dip on Mo because the podcast feed will go up on Friday. Go subscribe to the podcast uh, that you're currently watching. Game Theory Podcast with Sam Vecini over on YouTube. Uh, you can follow Mo DeKeel at Mo DeKeel underscore NBA on Twitter, which if you're watching the stream, you're going to be able to see right on the screen. Okay, Mo, right there. Right there. we have a fun show scheduled today. We're going to dive into five teams that I think are interesting in some regard, basically across the NBA. It is the Chicago Bulls, the Golden State Warriors, the Brooklyn Nets, the Sacramento Kings, and the Portland Trailblazers. I want to start with the three teams that are struggling a little bit and then end on a positive note. While Mo picks up his dog, I believe, look at that. Yeah, he was he was, he was was scratching at my leg, so he wanted attention. He wants yeah. to say hi to Sam. Look at this. So there we got there a you dog. go. There you go. So he's good to go. He's good. He's good to go. All right. Okay. He'll pop off at some point. Oh, I'm sure it'll be great. Um, I'm sure Penny, the small game theory dog, will pop on at some point. (laughs) Okay. So let's jump in. I want to talk about the Bulls first because I think that they are just like one of the weirdest teams in the NBA. It feels like to me right now. The Bulls are currently six and nine. They've lost five of their last six games. And while they were pretty good defensively. I thought early on the defense has just kind of fallen off of a cliff in those six games. They're currently 11th in defensive rating over the course of the full season. If you kind of look into their games though, you can kind of start to see the cracks a little bit. Like they gave up 102 to Washington. They gave up 102 to Boston, which is one of their best performances of the season that went against Boston. But then, you know, they gave up 99 to a Nets team that was kind of a mess. They gave up 89 to Charlotte, who is kind of a mess. Uh, they gave up 97 to Toronto. Uh, 
which is a pretty good number given the fact that Toronto's offense has been pretty good. Their defense has been more of the issue there, especially when OG and Anobi is not on the court. But then you look at the last six games here, they've given up 123 to Boston, 113 to Toronto, 115 to the Pelicans, 126 to the Nuggets, and then last night uh, against the New Orleans Pelicans gave up 124. This team, it's so weird watching them because their bench unit has been really good, especially at the start of the year. And then the last couple of games, it feels like the bench unit has not been very good. The starters, if you look at like the net ratings for their starting units, I mean, goodness, it's like minus sevens, minus eights. Like it's, it's been really, really ugly at times. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's frustrating in the sense of first off in the last six games, their defensive rating has gone down gone up to 115.9 or something like that like in that bad run that you're talking about it's hard because we know what this team looked like when they were fully healthy and what i mean by that is with lonzo ball because he's a critical part of that defense him and caruso combined defensively dude they just wreck havoc everywhere they were a disaster and then and then they were able to you know DeMar DeRozan was on an MVP pace early last year, you know, basically for two thirds of the season and then kind of fell off towards the end. But I think it's just funny, Sam, like I look at the Chicago team and I feel like people kind of fell in love with the team last year. And I think that was more fool's gold last year. I don't think there was a way for them to continue and be the the team they were this year to be the team they were last year, this year. I think that's the real challenge for them. I think it's hard to expect DeMar DeRozan to have that type of season that he had last year. Like, last year came out of nowhere. We were all blown away by it. So I think it's hard to think, like, okay, he can just do that again. It's that easy. And I think those are some of the problems they're running into as a squad. Yeah, I think that you're 100% right in terms of... Last year, it felt like a lot of things went right, especially in the first half of the season. Once they lost Lonzo Ball, it felt like a lot of things went wrong for them. And I think you're 100% right just in terms of Lonzo's overall impact on this team and how important he is to this team. It's on both ends of the court. Like, they're trying to have Ayo Desumu be like a reasonable facsimile kind of where he really gets into guys at the point of attack defensively. But, like, he's just not Lonzo in terms of overall game, right? Like, He's not quite as good of a shooter. Lonzo has turned into a guy that can hit 37% from three on reasonably high volume. Teams just like kind of don't guard IO all that much out there. Don't unfortunately, to. don't need to worry about it. Yeah. Like e- even if he's going to hit 33 to 36% from three, he just doesn't take them enough at volume. And then additionally, like it feels like he just doesn't get enough penetration. Like it feels like this team, when I watch them, they just don't break down defenses enough. They don't get defenses scrambling. And it ends up being a circumstance where they just have to rely on DeMar DeRozan a lot of the time to bail them out in the half court. Their offense, to me, is actually more concerning than the defense, despite the fact that the defense has kind of fallen off the cliff, just because structurally what they do offensively without Lonzo ends up just being – really stagnant it feels like a lot of the time Mm -hmm. um and then like you have to get nikola vucevic like mid post touches occasional touches on the block and that's kind of how they end up getting you know paint touches that way uh, as opposed to getting downhill penetration and spraying the ball with kickouts It, it just all feels very stagnant with the starting unit 
And I, I don't really know how to fix that because I worry that like the, the easy answer here is to put Alex Caruso into the starting unit. Right. Right. But well, I think, yeah, sorry, go ahead. Sorry. I, was, I was cutting you off. Go ahead. Finish your thought. Well, like I, I feel like if you do that, then you're just hammering the bench unit, which has actually been your most, most effective thing this season. Um, like if you, the bench unit has not been quite as good over the last couple of games, but like you look at the net ratings for the bench unit, like Alex Caruso, is plus nine per 100 possessions on a team that is six and nine this season. Like that, that is remarkable. He's awesome. <laughs> he's so good. Right. And like, he's not even playing that well offensively. Like he's made some threes, but like, he's not even really, I think doing everything he can offensively as a driver passer. But I think more than anything, what his presence does is it just moves the ball around the court. Right. So I'm fascinated by this. Where, where are you with the bulls when you've seen them this year? I mean, I'm just kind of frustrated in them. You know, the one thing I love is I love Goran Dragic on this team. He's doing a great job. He comes into games and he makes an impact. Well, and speaking of like the older veterans, like honestly, for the first, I would say 10 games of the season for the Bulls, something like that. I think Andre Drummond's been pretty okay as well. Like, yeah, you have the defensive concerns, but for the most part, like he's done a pretty good job rebounding. He's done a pretty good job at least as like a rim protector, you're still going to get hammered in space with them. But when they have guys like Javante Green and Alex Caruso fighting around those screens, it makes it just a lot easier on him, I think, defensively uh, and mitigates the damage that he's going to do on that end. I think he's been a pretty effective backup center up until like the last couple of games. I thought the Pelicans actually really hammered him last night. Yeah, I think just, you know, the other problem for them offensively is they're a largely mid-range team. You know, yeah. it's, it's, that's really the challenge. And, and that's part of what you get from DeMar DeRozan. That's part of what you get with Vooch a little bit, who can spread out to the three point line, but they're the, they shoot the third fewest three pointers, right? Like they're at like 29 yeah. attempts a game, you know, for, for 28th in the NBA. Like that's a problem. That's yeah. that, that you're not going to make enough points off of that stuff. I think, you know, you need to kind of get that up a little bit higher. I feel like you were, I feel like you're leaving stuff on the, the ground there a little bit and opportunities that you could kind of attack. And I don't think that's something they're doing. And then part of it is again, if I was out there, cool, I'm going to let him shoot. I'm going to crowd the paint, yeah. you know, yeah. and, and, and Patrick Williams is shooting it decently. Well, 38%. On, on, on just under three attempts. Cool. I'm going to see if he can keep doing that, right? Because he's still a young kid and trying to figure his way through. I'm going to dare him and, and leave him open. And again, they're not going to beat me with him taking six or seven threes a game because he's not going to do that. So I feel like when you're you're looking at it as when you're another team, you're going like, this is an easy way to attack them and just defensively just pound the paint and 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 let's go from there. I feel like just this is a team that fell in love with what they were last year and thought they could recreate it again this year. And I know I'm repeating myself, but it's just so obvious. Like I felt I was disappointed last year. I thought this should have been a team that traded for Jeremy Grant last year at the trade deadline. Yeah. And, and yeah, I think and, that would have made sense. Yeah. Would have, would have made a huge difference. Um, and I think that's the, the, the opportunity for them. And if not at the deadline at the, in the off season, they should have made a big run at that. And if it cost them Patrick Williams, sure. You, you got to make that move. And I think that's, you know, might come back to haunt me two years from now. But I think in the moment right now, you're just watching it. And this is the, this is the Chicago team. I look at them and I go like, this is about right where they're at. Like, I think the East is better. And I think they're just kind of sort of twiddling their thumbs a little bit. 
Yeah. And, and that's just the place you don't want to be is an organization, right? And I think that that's where it's worth moving to next. What should this organization do? I, I think more than anything, they need to pick a direction, right? It feels like this is something we're going to talk about with the Warriors later. It feels like they're trying to like middle, like ne- thread that needle between two timelines, right? Where they have Kobe White and Patrick Williams and I would assume Moo and some of these young guys and they want to develop them. But then they also have all these veterans like DeMar DeRozan, Zach Levine, Nikola Vucevic that should, like if you're doing this right, like they should be part of teams that are competing now. So, it's, it, it, but you know what's funny about that is the guys they're trying to develop aren't going to develop into those. Like that's different. That shouldn't even be a two timeline team. Yeah, this should, I like, agree. Like, no, like, I'm with you. Yeah, the idea that they think that these guys will develop into these future pieces in a different in a different world. It's like I don't know what universe you're living in right now. If you're a Chicago front office, if that's what you're looking at, like Patrick Williams, well, nice. I like the sumo, but like. what's he what's he going to be top out at like his ceiling isn't going to be a star level guy you know he's like just a competent role player at the end of the day well beyond that like where where is patrick williams going to get the reps to be the guy that you think patrick williams can be in chicago right uh so much of what chicago does and so much of what he does is like really good mid post put his shoulder into somebody um attack the rim off of like cuts and like where are you going to get him the on ball reps he needs to be able to develop as a ball handler pick and pop shooter pull up shooter uh particularly from the mid-range area when you have Zach Levine, you have DeMar DeRozan that are taking all of those opportunities. And this isn't to say that they don't deserve them. They're the best players on the team. They should be taking them. But I think that this is something that often comes up with these two timeline teams. It's just hard to get guys reps to actually develop them in game and get them the experience they need to get comfortable with the speed of the NBA when you're running an on ball action and having to create offense yourself. So like, I think that more than anything, they just need to make a choice. Do we want to go all in with DeMar DeRozan, Zach Levine, and Nikola Vucevic, and then hope that Lonzo gets back and is 95% of what Lonzo can be capably coming off of these injuries? Or do we try and rebuild? Do we move guys like DeMar DeRozan, like Zach Levine, like Nikola Vucevic, who's a free agent this summer particularly, and try and win maybe further out down the road. I know what I would pick. I would pick the <laughs> latter option, uh, but that's where they're at, right? I mean, I'm all for it if you're going to go for it with these guys, but the problem is, and this to your first point about the developing, you know, Patrick Williams and getting him reps, that stuff only, like, so I've watched San Antonio do this for so long, right? And, and during the Tim Duncan years, but that only works because Tim, Manu, and Tony got you a lot of wins on their own. So you're able to say, hey, we could punt on a game, even if we lose it, to get Danny Green reps or whatever, like throw in whatever guy that they've developed over the years and and get them opportunities and touches and things like that. You know, we can afford to punt that. Like everybody always thought about the Spurs resting players being more, being all about resting the guys. And it's a big part of it. But the other part of it is, it allows them to develop the other guys and give those other guys on the court opportunities. The Bulls are not in that position. You know, they're not a team. Right. And, and, and like they're just they're a team that needs every game right now. And they needed it, I think, at the start of the season, too. I think, you know, and I think that's kind of the the problem there. 
I'm fine with them pushing forward with, you know, Demar, Vooch, and Levine, if that's the 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 way they the path they want to go. But don't do it halfway. Yeah. Don't don't don't. Again, this goes back to like, okay, if it's not Grant, who are you trading for this year? Who are you going to go for? like? What can Patrick Williams get you right now? Can he can he go and get you Miles Turner? I, I'm just throwing out names. I don't know necessarily. I'm not. I haven't even thought of too much yeah. in terms of fit for Chicago. Can he go get you a, a Buddy Hield? You know, another shooter like whatever you need or 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 whatnot. Like those are the things you need to kind of find right now if you're the Bulls. If that's the route you're going to go, just just be committed to one route. If it's development, there- then sell off and sell everybody. Like they're actually a team that I think like Eric Gordon could help um, if they wanted to go that way. That's a great name. Yeah. Assuming like Eric Gordon, you know, re engages fully defensively. Um, Like he's a guy that I think could actually really help them and probably wouldn't cost like an insane amount of pick capital or assets or anything like that. But it's hard to find guys because like teams, I don't really think teams are like looking to move vets at this point. Like I, for instance, like you look at Charlotte, right? Like Charlotte's basically out of it at this point. Um, I mean, PJ Washington would help them, but PJ Washington probably costs you a substantial amount of assets and you're going to have to pay PJ Washington this summer, which gets complicated in an additional way because then he limits your flexibility further. If you have to decide to rebuild at some point down the road again, um, you know, Kelly Oubre probably does not help you that much. Gordon Hayward can't really stay on the court, so I don't know if you can trust him in this scenario. Uh, Terry Rozier, you know, there's just a lot of overlap between Terry Rozier and Zach Levine and DeMar DeRozan, and Levine and DeRozan are better versions of Terry Rozier in a lot of ways, even though they're drastically different in terms of the way that they get their offense. So I don't know. I think it's I think they're in a very difficult position right now. Yeah. You know, like maybe Utah could help them but like utah has a lot of these guys that are more score first again and maybe kelly olenic would help them i think kelly olenic would help a lot of teams based on how he's playing but like i think Connolly would be really interesting for them yeah that's a really good call too that's that's that would be a good good piece for them but the most important thing is they they don't have the luxury to tread both lines no they have to they have to pick a lane and go and whatever lane it is, you have to be fully committed to it for the next couple of years. And it's hard because Vooch being a free agent at the end of this year, how much are you committing to him? 32 years old and, and what's he contributing, contributing? Like, do you feel like that's something or can you go, you know, find something else or, or, or whatnot and replace him? But you cannot, if it, right now, the position where the bulls are and the way they were set up, you know, even last year, you're not a team that should think that you have two timelines. Yeah, there's really only one team that should think that way, and, and and that's it. And I think you know we'll get to them, but this team needs to pick a lane and go. I think I would pick the lane of rebuilding if I was them personally. Hmm. Uh, I would look to move Vucevic. I would sound out the market on Demar. You have Zach Levine under contract for a while. I don't know that you necessarily need to move him at this point, but particularly with Vucevic, I would sound out the market. And see oh, I mean, the, the Lakers would come running for for Demar. Oh, two, for Demar, two, for sure. two yeah. draft picks and Russell Westbrook, they would do that in a second for Demar DeRozan and and what, whatever they can get thrown back their way. Yeah, like I I think they would probably be very excited about getting Demar DeRozan. Yeah, um, it, it's it's interesting, man. Like I I don't think this team is really all that close to the top of the East. I don't. 
I, I just do not think that they are all that close to competing with teams like Milwaukee and Boston, uh, particularly. But even even a team like Cleveland, they're not going to be able to hang with the Clevelands or the Atlantas or the Raptors, you know, and in, in, for me in the most part, you know, or Philly, who started out kind of iffy is looking a little bit better. But like they just they they are just to me not a, a well-built team. And and losing Lonzo is going to be the big thing, but depending on Lonzo coming back and being, you know, you said ninety five percent. I'm like, shoot, I don't think that Lonzo exists anymore. I think we're going to be getting Lonzo at like seventy five, you know. And I think that's a hard that. So now, how much does that really help you if you're the Bulls? And then on top of it, so like you're hoping that you get Lonzo at ninety percent next year, maybe or you know, hundred percent right. next year. Well, you know, Demar Derozan turns. 34 in August next year and Zach Levine's a year older and has had a few injuries, unfortunately. And I think that particularly you can see that his athleticism is just a little bit sapped right now. It feels like um, in, a, in a way that is sad, like Zach Levine is still an awesome player, but he's just not quite at that like max level right now that they had to pay him. Right. So it, it's hard. They're, they're in a really, really hard spot. I think. Uh, but they have Alex Caruso, so that's the important thing. <laughs> let's, uh, let's move on, though. Let, let, well, let's take a quick commercial break first, and then we'll get to the other team that's shredding two timelines right now, uh, a, a bit more notably than Chicago with uh, Golden State. <laughs> We're talking about players securing the bag. When they get drafted in June, I need to tell you about securing your internet connection with NordVPN. What is a VPN? It's a virtual private network. A VPN reroutes your traffic through a remote server, encrypting it in the process. This is going to hide your location from your ISP, hackers, and from other people looking to get your data. Everybody knows that I watch as many movies as I can. I think I've probably watched like 40 or 50 this year already. Some movies are blocked in Australia. It's really hard for me to watch them. Uh, for instance, uh, anybody who's tried to get their hands on Godzilla Minus One recently knows that it's basically only available in Japan. And you need a VPN if you want to go to like Amazon Prime or something to be able to watch it. So when I'm blocked from watching a movie in Australia, I just queue up my VPN. I change my location and it unlocks a category of movies from all of my favorite streaming services. As somebody who's always on the go, connecting to public Wi-Fi is a necessity, but it's also just a goldmine for hackers. That's where Nord comes in, creating a secure tunnel for my data to travel through away from prying guys. There are other benefits to Nord as well. Your browsing history is yours and yours alone. Your virtual location is masked from those who seek to track your every move. It's like having a force field around your online identity. Nord VPN also goes the extra mile with threat protection. Malware, trackers, dodgy ads, they're all going to get blocked. It's like having a shot-blocking big around your devices 24-7. Game Theory is offering an exclusive deal for NordVPN. You're going to get four extra months and up to 75% off subscriptions. Just head to nordvpn.com slash gametheory, G-A-M-E-T-H-E-O-R-Y, to claim your account. Plus, with Nord's 30-day money-back guarantee, you've got nothing to lose and everything to gain. Go to nordvpn.com slash gametheory 
to claim your account. NordVPN.com slash Game Theory. Guys, I can't emphasize enough uh, how much I use Nord every day of my life. Uh, Nord is a fantastic sponsor for us. So go support Nord. And it's a great product. So NordVPN.com slash Game Theory. Mo, the other two timelines team here is the Golden State Warriors. They have been very notable that they're treading two timelines. Clay Thompson has acknowledged they're treading two timelines. And Steve Kerr did. Steve Kerr is as well. It's just hard, man. Like two timelines is just a very difficult thing. But here's the other thing. They're just not playing well right now either. Like Steve Kerr last night said that we lack collective grit. We're playing a Drew League game right now. And that that feels aggressive, right? That feels that feels strong for Steve Kerr to say. It doesn't feel wrong though. That's no. the problem. They've it's their defense has been very depressing for what we're used to and seeing this team. Like there was a play last night where they actually had a great defensive rotation and everything, and and it was great multiple efforts, and it wasn't the starters. It was the bench guys. And they were all doing a great job and rotating, cover for each other, kicking out to the corner, and they got to stop. And I thought to myself, like, damn, I haven't seen that from this team in a long time. I've seen great individual defense. I've seen great you know, effort from one or two people, but not all five guys. That used to be what the Warriors' defense was about, and I think that's – really the first starting point when I look at their struggles, it's, it's that to me is they're just not defending with the, the, the energy and the fire that they, they, they used to. And that's even the starters to a degree. So it's, it's kind of, that's the thing that shocks me the most about them. Yeah, I agree. I mean, they're 25th in defensive rating right now and there's just not a lot of urgency there. And I think where you see it most is at the point of attack more than they just allow more penetration. It feels like, than what they have previously. And it makes sense, right? Like Stephen Curry is having to carry a Herculean load offensively at the moment. And he's been fine defensively this year. Like, I don't really have any beef with what Steph has done defensively. It's more that it's just hard to have that level of offensive load and being able to defend at an elite level. Like he can't do that. And he's never been an elite on ball defender. He's been fine throughout his career during his peak. Um, Clay Thompson is the worry spot for me. Like Jordan Poole has not been great. They're playing guys at times like Ty Jerome and, um, you know, some other perimeter players that have not been as successful. But like Clay Thompson is the worry point for me here. Clay has really struggled this year. And I'm not worried about the shot. Like he's shooting 33% from three. He's going to shoot at some point. Like Clay goes through these little patches from time to time where the shot doesn't quite fall. And then he goes on a 50% heater for the next 20 games and he's back up at 39% from three on high volume. Right. So like, I'm not as worried about the offensive end with him. I am worried about the defensive end. He's not moving his feet nearly as well as he used to defensively. He's getting cooked. cooked. It's, it's funny to watch. It's, it's not funny to watch. It's, 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 I'm surprised people are, are, are surprised by that. The guy has gone through two traumatic leg injuries. Like, yeah, yeah. that's the, that's the area where his game was going to suffer the most was the defense and the lateral movements more than anything else. You're right about the shooting. 
Clay's done this so many times with the shooting where he starts a season terribly and still ends up as a 40% three-point shooter. Like, I'm not worried about that. The shots will fall for Clay. It's the defense. And, you know, just last night's game, he's getting cooked by Devin Booker. You know, and 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 we've seen him struggle with guys, you know, the their loss to Sacramento. De'Aaron Fox was cooking him. I think you're 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 watching him kind of struggle with this. I mean, they won a game where he hacked the hell out of Kevin Herter on a final possession. Like you're you're <laughs> you're you're watching it in, in real time of just to me, I'm I'm shocked that he's on these guys at the down the stretch of plays. You know, well, like what's, for, the, what's the other option? Wiggins. I guess it's not, that, and that's the problem. Like it's, it's, but, it's, 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 but Wiggins showed in the playoffs. I thought he could be that guy and clay could be the auxiliary defender. Right. And, and, yeah. and, and help on that. But like in that game against Sacramento where he's guarding De'Aaron Fox, Wiggins is guarding Kevin Herter. Yo, that yeah. needs to be a switch, switch the, the, the roles there and that stuff. Cause clay can't keep up with them. I mean, and, yeah. and, and it's not clay's fault. His he's old. His body's gone through some serious stuff. Like this is not an easy uh, recovery thing. I think the it's it's kind of startling to watch because we're just so used to it from Clay that I think this is why people are are are, are surprised by it. But when you kind of just look at the fact that yo he didn't play games for a long time, he's not going to come in and be the same defender he was before. And I I, I don't see there any way where that Clay comes back. Yeah, and that actually causes real structural problems for their defense. Uh, I agree with you that like Wiggins is a better option, but the problem is that when you start playing good teams, they have multiple options yeah. where you have to have a primary defender. Like when they play Phoenix, like you would kind of hope that you might be able to hide Steph on like Mikhail Bridges at times, and you might be able to hide Steph on different guys, and then you have Andrew Wiggins slide up and defend Devin Booker, and you have Clay Thompson deal with Chris Paul. I don't feel great about them doing that. And like you look at the Clippers, right? They're going to need multiple options yep. for the playoffs when Kawhi Leonard and Paul George are both healthy, right? Like, I, I don't know how I'd like Norman Powell's not playing well right now, but like assuming Norman Powell turns this around, like I would be worried about Clay Thompson on someone like Norman Powell right now. Yeah. Even. I mean, th- unfortunately, that's where they're at, but that's also why the losses of Gary Payton was so big. Otto Porter Jr. leaving were so important. Those guys were really important. And I think you're yeah. seeing it now in this season with with that and and you're watching it and you're just going like, "Damn." And this is why the young kids were so important. Yeah. And 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 what they ma- amount to. And I know we're going to we just touch on it, but like that's what they needed was they needed Moses Moody to step up and replace Gary Payton the second. They needed Kaminga to step up and replace Otto Porter Jr. And it's not looking that way. And and Moody still might. I, I'm not ready to kind of just quit on Moody yet. But they got a long way to go. And they have a well, lot of questions to answer. It's interesting because I think that both Wiseman and Kaminga have been like negatives def- or mm-hmm. negatives like on the court this year. I don't think Moody really gives you anything. But the thing with Moses that I think is really valuable is he doesn't take anything off when he's out there. Like with some guys, you worry about them like taking different aspects off the court. Like, you know, when Wiseman's out there, you're they're just so substantially taking pick and roll defense off the table because he just doesn't know where to be yet in pick and roll coverages. Um, With Kaminga, you're taking off passing and quick movement and his ability to process the game. 
Moody doesn't really take anything off the table. Now, he's not being like impactful out there, I would argue, but not for a team like the Warriors that has as many great players as they do. I think it's actually really valuable that Moody doesn't take anything off the table. Like that's a really, really important aspect for him. That's the most important aspect, really, if you want to talk about it for guys that are coming into the game, not starters, but coming in off the bench. It's, you know, are you coming in and and is there an area where we're hurting because you've come in yeah. and, we, and we and there's nothing we can do about it. So nothing we can do about it with Wiseman and Kaminga. And I think that's an important aspect of it. But it also goes to and this is the. My, kind of a shot a little bit of, of the Warriors organization. They're also not that good at developing guys. Look, Jordan Poole, unbelievable success story. We can give them Andrew Wiggins, Kevon Looney. But before, but besides those three guys and, and in between Clay, Steph, and Draymond, there was a long run where they weren't developing guys. A lot That's of guys. Yeah, like a, a, a lot of guys they picked that had. We all went nuts when they got Jordan Bell. That didn't work out. We all went nuts. You know, Patrick McCall, we thought might be something. Quinn Cook, McKinney, all of these guys who we thought like, okay, in the Warrior system is going to be great. They don't develop guys. And now they're in a situation where they got to develop these young guys to be the players that they need to try to win a championship right now. That's a scary-ass proposition. It's so interesting. Do you – do we think it's development or do we think it's identification? Cause they're two different things, right? Like, like I would argue they developed Gary Payton as well. Like okay. I would argue that they like have developed like some guys, but then you look at the guys they've picked in the draft. I think it's just, they picked guys that don't fit what they do. You know what I mean? Like they took a guy in John and Jonathan Kaminga and just took a guy in James Wiseman that just don't like, process basketball quickly and in james wiseman's case it's because he was off the court for like three years in a row right in kaminga's case it's because he just hasn't really ever done that to be honest like that's always been the main concern with him so it's almost felt like they feel like they can develop that side of guys brains through their scheme but they that's where i think they haven't had much success i think they've had success developing guys to fit a specific role but like with young guys, you almost don't want to box them in as much, right? And like, I feel like for them to be successful, they'd have to box them in a little bit more. It's hard. This is why the two timelines thing is so hard because you're trying to compete for wins and then you're also trying not to box in guys. Developing guys is hard. Developing NBA players is fucking hard. I don't know. People don't understand the the amount of work that goes into developing players. It's a it's a full year thing, you know, and the amount of work you have to put into the off season, you know, not just the player, the organization having, it's a commitment, having guys with the, with the guy in their city or wherever and things. I know organizations that have had development guys have had to go on the vacations with the players, you know, and work on and, and, and work on skills and things like that. There's a whole method to it and not a lot of people crack it. There's not a lot of organizations that are great at it. And I think you made a great point of whether it's an issue of developing or identification. I think it's both because I don't think mm-hmm. they've, they've developed well, but you're hundred percent right about the identification. How different is this team? If they have Franz Wagner. Oh, drastically, drastically it perfectly different. fit. What they want. And they yeah. picked Kaminga over, over Wagner. Like there's, there's, there are pieces where you're looking at it going like, yo, that's, you know, uh, LaMelo ball 
instead of Wiseman. It's a different team. Maybe you hurt defensively. Don't get me wrong. LaMelo's got his warts on the defensive end. But he is a Warriors-Z type of guy, right? And maybe, yeah. you, maybe you don't get that from – maybe you don't get what you get from Poole uh, because you have LaMelo or whatnot. Your butterfly effect and things change. But to me, I just constantly think about the Kaminga and, and, and Wagner – uh, selections. Yeah, and look, like at the time, I pro- I would have taken Kaminga ahead of Wagner, but like, and so like I I acknowledge that I would have also been wrong and would have been on their side, but it's worth acknowledging that it was a fuck up. Like, I mean, it's, 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 <laughs> but it's like, but it goes back to the identification. A lot of times, and 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 you correct me if I'm wrong with with this, because you do way more draft work than I do. Yeah. The um and and what I mean way more is like I literally do it the week of, yeah. like cramming <laughs> for exams. The week um. Yeah. So you know you're doing it all year, but like a lot of the time, you've seen these guys all the way through. Yeah. You're looking at them of who you like better as a player. The organization needs to look at where does he fit with us. Yeah, and that's a failure yeah. on their end because just looking at college and what and what Kaminga did with the the ignite, you're, you're you kind of just look at what Wagner did with Michigan. Like even in my simple cramming for exams, recovery, I was like, this dude's a Warriors player. Yeah, and, no, and, you're 100 right, and and, yeah. and and I think that's why it goes back to your point of like they've also misidentified guys in the draft. Yeah, you're 100% right. Thinking back, like I do wonder if I would have had, if I was making a Warriors-specific big board, I probably would have had Wagner ahead of, would I have had him ahead of Kaminga? I don't know. It would have been close. But like it would have been much closer than where I had them, right? Like honestly, like looking back, I I don't know. I still might have been wrong and still might have taken Kaminga. What would you have done with Wiseman? What would have been your pick? Oh, I'd have taken LaMelo like 100%. Yeah, wouldn't have, wouldn't have even thought twice. Right. Um, but like with Kaminga, you're right. Like that that was never really a fit with a ball ball movement scheme because that's like not really what he does. But like, I, I don't know, man. I, to be honest, like it goes the other way too. Like I think they got a little bit unlucky because I, I think that I'm not reporting this. Don't don't aggregate this, but. Based Hold on, off let me of get my aggregation pen going. Based off of conversations, <laughs> like I do, kind of think that they would have taken Giddy if he would have fallen to them at seven. Like I, I think that that probably would have been a thing, and he would have fit uh, really exceedingly well. I don't think they're like. I mean, obviously, like Josh has been a little bit better than Kaminga at this point, much better than Kaminga at this point. But like, I, I do think that that would have been a thing, and I think that's been. Re- Reported that they really liked Josh. This isn't me like guaranteeing it, but I think that they, I think there is a good chance they would have taken Giddy if he was available at seven. Giddy would have been better too. I mean, obviously, right? Bad luck with with him getting drafted early. That's just part of the draft. But like when you, that's why I look at the Wagner stuff going like that was a miss. I, I'm not yeah. obviously can't say nothing about Giddy because he wasn't available to them. This was just a miss to me on on their on their end for for that and i think that's kind of the problem with it and now you're in this situation and i'll just ask you sam are you trading the young kids now for 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 talent it's a gross question it's hard with with wiseman so like with the way their finances are set up and with wiseman 
the easiest way for them to get their finances in order for next season after the pool extension goes into play and after the Wiggins extension happens is just to move Wiseman for nothing. And I think a team would take Wiseman for nothing because I think they'd be like, okay, former number two overall pick, we get a year flyer, let's give this a shot, right? Um, a team that has cap space. Like if you're the Pacers and you end up with James or uh, Miles Turner leaving in the offseason because he's a free agent, like – that's an interesting flyer for them to take, I think, right? That was a trade um, I would have made last year, by the way. Yeah, I was no, all I for mean, they I've, needed to go get – I said, get Miles Turner for Wiseman. Like, this isn't going to work for you. Well, the, the one that's interesting is Sabonis because, like, if you put right. Sabonis in that scheme, I mean, goodness. Like, it would be filthy. But that's obviously not an option that's on the table now. I would probably be willing to move – I'd probably be willing to move Wiseman as long as I was getting an expiring contract back. It's funny. Like I brought this up to a couple friends recently. How much better do you think this team would be if they had Mason Plumley? I mean, he's, he, he, he fits a little bit. I mean, listen, anything's an improvement over, over Wiseman. Wiseman. That's not a shot at shot of Wiseman as a player. It's just, he doesn't fit the offense and that's kind of the important uh, yeah. thing there. He doesn't fit what they want to do defensively either. So, so you know, Plumlee helps in that sense coming off the bench with everything that they have. I th- I think it, he, he would help like initiate offense off the bench as well because he can really pass. He can run dribble handoffs. Like he's a good screener. You're, you're going to have good stuff out of that offensively. He's He is a Warriors-y player. Like their front office should just run through every roster and be like Warriors player, not a Warriors player, <laughs> Warriors type player, not a Warriors type player, and 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 yeah. have that kind of listed out, and that's who they go target. And I think they're in a uh, they're in a situation where I make a trade. I, I forget the two timelines, even forget about the tax at this point. I don't know how much longer I have Steph Curry. I need to go try to win a championship yeah. every time I have Steph Curry at this level right now. Cause he's been insane. Dropped 50 last night. Like that's I absurd. Mean, like we think there's no way that they, the Hornets wouldn't do Mason Plumley and something else for James Wiseman. Right. Like they, they would be ecstatic to take a flyer on like a high upside center. You would think, right? Like, yeah, I, I think, I think they would do it in a second. And like Mason, again, like if I'm the Warriors, like I think like Mason Plumley, and this is like no, not me saying Mason Plumley is like even a starting caliber center anymore, but he fits their offense or he fits everything that they do. He's a really useful, versatile ball mover at the center position. 20 minutes screener. of Plumley off the bench is, is, is changes so much for them. Cause that's what and, the and problem this is. is. This is where I think they have to make a decision more than anything else on what they're going to do with James Wiseman in the offseason like now through February, right? They have this like two or three month window, I think where they need to make this decision on Wiseman. If they're just going to move him in the summer to like the Pacers or something like that, because they want to keep Dre together. They want to keep Clay with Stephen Curry. They want those guys to finish their careers together. And that's how they want to fix their financial situation. They should move Wiseman this season for a rental looking forward they still have time to where they have to make these decisions but if i was them i I would be look i don't mason Plumley is like not like the best answer probably but like i'm just trying to find situations that work could you get mason Plumley in like multiple second round picks or something like that i I don't know um but that that's where we're at with wiseman like i I think it's more of a 
a team is taking a flyer on him, like a team took a flyer on Marvin Bagley last year in Detroit, as opposed to a situation where he's bringing back like a first round pick if you move him or something like that. Yeah, I think it's just they're they're just in that tough spot where I think if they're just trying to hold on to these guys, these young kids to prove a point, they're 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 really asking for trouble as an organization. And I think they they need to start figuring out the the path because the even though I agreed with them trying to balance the two timelines, it's a hard thing to do. It's so damn hard. And and you have to be quick to pull the cord on one of them. And 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 the other cord you're pulling, the other lane is give up on a championship type squad where I'm like, I'm not giving up on that because that's what you're in it for. And you don't know the next time you're going to be this type of good. And what I mean is have these types of talents. Curry practically won you a championship on his own last year. You know, like he had help, obviously a lot of guys went into it and, and, and things and everybody was awesome and stuff, but like it was Curry in the finals the 43-point game in Boston and things like that that really kind of started to turn the tide. That's what they need to find a way to, to, to maximize that. And right now, like, I am concerned that he's going way too hard this early, and they're 6-8. and eight. That's a real concern. Think about, think about the Golden State Warriors as, like, an organizational history, right? Before they got Steph Curry, think about, like, who the best players were on that team. It was like Anton Jameson, and then they had like a Latrell Sprewell year in there. They had Tim Hardaway, obviously. They had Chris Mullen, um, and Chris Mullen's like a Hall of Famer. When Chris Mullen was the best player on the Golden State Warriors, they topped out at the Western Conference semis, right? Like that, that, that's how big the difference is. You can be a Hall of Fame player, and the best you can do is get to the Western Conference semifinals. You can have a Hall of Famer as your best player. And that is your, that is your best case scenario. Sometimes with Stephen Curry, you have proven that this guy is a top 10 player of all time and that he can get you to a title. That's why you have to go all in right now. I think if you're the Warriors got to, I, I, I just think there should be no hesitation. I think they should be working the phones now trying to find a way. Yeah. Uh, you have to go back to 1975. The last time they won a title before they had Stephen Curry. So there it is. That's why. Um, okay, let's move on. Let's talk about the. Let's just finish the negatives. Let's go to the Brooklyn Nets. I don't want to make it quick. Crazy, <laughs> yeah, I don't want to spend a crazy amount of time on the Brooklyn Nets. Um, I want to focus this mostly to stuff on the court, uh, and I do want to talk a little bit about Ben Simmons because Ben Simmons has been not good this year. Let's just be real about it, right? Like he has not been very good at basketball. Uh, what do you see in Ben Simmons' game that is most concerning to you? Let's go with that. I just don't see him moving well. Like just his movements is yeah. so is so different than what it was, you know, when he was a sixer. And, and you know, like it was a while ago, but like, Man, he would fly up and down the court. He was physical. He would people would bounce off of him, you know, and 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 it was amazing watching him like gazelle like in his his ability yeah. to, to 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 get up and down and glide and like I remember defensive clips of him like helping in rotation, stopping a drive, rotating over and then blocking the shot and stuff and it's just a m- constant movement of that. 
And it's just, I'm watching him and it's just, it looks so hard for him to move physically, you know, and, and, and whether that's the back or the knee, it's just, he does not look right in terms of his movement. And that's mm-hmm. such a, a, a sad, a sad thing to watch. And I, I you can almost kind of see it processing in his mind. I think that that's what's going a bit underrated about the Ben thing. Ben was always known as like a great passer, great defender, but like the reason that he could be a great passer and a great defender is because he was probably in terms of like mixing body control, strength, explosiveness, balance, like power, like leaping ability, first step. He was probably one of the seven or so best athletes in the NBA. Like he was when he was young, like when he was like 21, 22, and we first saw him, he was probably like the closest thing to LeBron in terms of like physical ability in the NBA, just in terms of mixing in the intersection of all of those athletic attributes together at once. He was a freight train in transition, but like you said, he was like a gazelle in the way that he would move naturally um, and move very controlled. He just doesn't have that now. And for a guy that was so built on his athleticism in terms of the way that his game operated on the court, losing that is like, I mean, we see it's like a minor situation of like what's happening with Russell Westbrook right now. Right. Right. Ben, I think, was like less reliant on his athleticism, I guess, on some in some respect. But like, I, I don't like that's the concern, right? Like to me, it's more that like everyone's talking about. Oh, he's afraid to get fouled. Oh, he's afraid to um, get to the line. Oh, he's afraid he doesn't want to shoot free throws. He's afraid to drive. I don't know if he can. Like that's a, I don't know if he can separate anymore. I mean, all of that stuff could be true, but it's the the, the it's if he doesn't have the ability to, it doesn't matter. Yeah. Right. Like he's just not, if he's not able to get to the cup the way he used to, I mean, like I was just envisioning when he was there, dribble handoff, fake the handoff, turn, go dunk type of stuff or, or turn, (laughs) find the lob, find the kick out to the corner, all of those things. And it's just like, I watch him now and it's like, man, it's laboring when he does it. It's yeah. not with the ease and comfort in which he was able to do it. And if, un- un- unfortunately, if he's not able to get back to that, if his body has fully betrayed him that way, then like he's not a, he's not a serviceable basketball player because he's not going to do the other things. He can't be a spot up shooter. We know that, you know, it's, 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 you know, his game was predicated on being an unbelievable defender and a, a, a creator on offense. And part of that creation on offense was being able to get the separation that you were talking about. If he's not able to do that, man, it's, it's, it's tough. And it gets really, then it becomes a real sad story because what people don't remember about him is, yo, he was an all NBA player. He was an all defensive type player. He's the type of guy that I thought could win defensive player of the year with his mobility and things like that. Like he could guard one through five. He could impact the game in many different ways, although we were pissed that he didn't shoot um, and, and things like that, but he still ma- managed to make an impact. Go back to that game seven. Trey young was three eighteen in that game. A lot of that had to do with Ben Simmons, you yeah. know, and I think that's an important aspect there, but that dude's gone right now. And, and if they could find him, it's going to be, Interesting, but his body just does not look right. That's the first thing I see when I watch him. 
Yeah, like everyone talks about the whole idea of his just lack of ex- like I, I guess like lack of desire and like obviously his lack of fortitude or whatever the fuck you want to call it, right? Uh to me it's not that. Like I see a guy who's like genuinely not who he was health wise period. Like, I think that everyone wants to, you know, Oh my God, like he passed it off to Matisse Thibel in the playoffs or whatever. Like he doesn't want it. He doesn't care about basketball, whatever. I don't like, I just see a guy who is gen who genuinely was hurt. Like period. Like his, he had a back injury. Like these things take time. Like it's, I, I don't know. Maybe, maybe he's still adjusting to the speed of the game on some level. Maybe he's still getting comfortable playing with the back injury, but like, it's hard. It's really, I don't, really hard. I don't think people can fully understand it. And me being the unbelievable athlete that I am, I am on their level and understand. Um, <laughs> but what it does to your mind when your body can't do what it used to is really something. I think. And then when you're as young as him and it does that, yeah. that's really going to mess with your head. And, and, you know, and I hear all the same stuff and we're all questioning his heart and this and that, and what, you know, does he care and things like that? And he comes off very aloof and things like that. But there's an element of just like, damn dude, like I don't think he trusts his body. And then yeah. that's messing with your head in your own right. Like that's, that's a hard thing. None of us have ever had to deal with it. You know, like, you know, like, it's a whole different story in that sense. You know, it's almost it's different, but very similar to what we're watching with Clay. Clay Yeah, I was just actually thinking that, yeah. Clay's watching his body and he can't do what he wants to do defensively because his body. And I feel like that's that's kind of what we're seeing a little bit with Simmons. I I mean, I don't want to make excuses for him. There are things I have issues with him about him, but like that that's just a thing that stands out so much when you watch him. Well, like you go back to LSU, like he was fearless at LSU. Like he averaged nine free throw attempts per game at LSU in 34 minutes a night, like playing like in a Johnny Davis scheme that wasn't ideal. Let's go with that. Right. And like he handled the ball a lot and like you would hope he gets the line that much, but like he probably came pretty close to leading the country in free throws that year. Uh, so it's just like a complete and total change from where he was previously. And without him, this team should blow it up like period. Uh, given the Kyrie circumstance, if you don't think Ben is going to get back to what he was athletically, th- th- like unequivocally, you start looking at moving Kevin Durant, I think like, yeah, period, because there's just no point then like you, you saw what he said. Uh, to Chris Haynes, where he's like, look at who's starting with me, like Edmund Sumner, Joe Harris, Nick Claxton. You guys expect us to compete because we have me, but like, look who I'm playing with right now. And like, you know, there's a whole other conversation that I don't really care to get into about doing that in public. But here's the thing. He's right. (laughs) Right. No, it's just, it's just, but this is why it was interesting when you looked at this team and I don't know if you just saw the breaking news that Kyrie, it sounds like it's going to be reinstated for Sunday's game uh, against Memphis. So he'll be back. So at least they'll they'll have uh, Kyrie back on the court, whether that's been, whether he's a winning player is a different conversation too. I mean, you look at it and they can't even really blow it up, Sam. Let me, uh, who's trading for Kyrie right now? Not even the Lakers, man. I'm telling you the dude's toxic and you can't count on him at this point. 
Lakers yeah. are going to give up two for future first round picks for a dude that's going to have a new issue next year or next month. I mean, you you can't count on him in that yeah. sense. You know, you can't trade KD for for pennies on the dollar. And you gave up I, so I much of your. I don't think you'd have to trade him for pennies on the dollar. I just it would be, but but I don't know what. You, but KD's going to have a list of where he wants to go, right? And and so. Like, are you going to trade him to, to Golden State for the? And does he want to go back for the young kids and a couple of draft assets? Like, there's a, I don't know where the trade is. I don't know if Memphis is willing to to give up some of their draft equity and 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 move some pieces there. You know, I know Miami would love to have him. You're going to trade for what? What are you getting back? You know, and I think that's kind of the 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 issues there. It's it's not an easy cut and dry trade because they tried to find a trade for him. In the regular season or in the off season, now the games are going, so maybe teams are thinking different calculus and stuff like that. But I still can't find a great place for him. Phoenix would be awesome, but I don't know if, if they weren't interested in DeAndre Ayton then, and I don't even know the rules if they could sign him now. Now that he signed the 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 can't they can't move him for a couple of months, but they can right, move so him mid season after mid season. Yeah, okay. So like you know, but if they weren't interested, if the Nets weren't interested in DeAndre and sign and trade, why are they going to be interested now? And I. I <laughs> The two, and then, there are two teams. There are two teams that have made sense from the jump, I think, and it's Toronto and it's New Orleans because Toronto could theoretically offer Scotty Barnes. New Orleans can theoretically offer a lot of different things, right? Uh, right. And I think both of those teams with Kevin Durant are legitimate title contenders. So I that that those are the two spots that I look at. Like I, I if they if Toronto looks at the way Scotty Barnes started the year where the shooting hasn't been quite as effective and he's been a really good passer, but the defense has not been good really at all. Uh, And they look at him as like, maybe he's not the top 10 asset league wide that we thought he was. Maybe he's more of like a top 25 league wide asset, but we can get Kevin Durant and we can play Fred Van Vliet, Kevin Durant, OG Ananobi, Pascal Siakam, Gary Trent, Precious Achua, like across the board, and that team has a real chance to win a title. Masai has gone for it before, I would say. Right? No, I mean Masai, I think could 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 make a run at it for sure. And and so on. And you're right; those are two great teams. I'll be interested to see if that's if that's what comes up there. I you said New Orleans, and I'm sorry, my my brain went to just the fantasy of like they go trade for Kevin Durant. And they get the Lakers' number one pick, which turns into Webemiyama, and now they have. <laughs> but you, you know what, though, that's maybe like they and might not the have to it. give up Brandon, Brandon Ingram in a deal like that because right. that might it's, be the best asset the Nets can get. Yeah, I mean that that really can be, you know. And I think that's something like, you know, if I'm the Nets, that's probably what I'm holding out for is give me that pick, give me the Lakers' pick. Right. And if I'm New Orleans, I might not trade that. I don't know if I would make that trade. I yeah, mean, not so because have, of the. You have a 14% chance at Victor Wembanyama, or essentially a 100% chance. Cause if you say that you're including that pick and they say they'll do it, you get a 100% chance of Kevin Durant, get right? Durant. Yeah. I mean, maybe I'm crazy, which I'm sure a lot of people are thinking that like, I'm, if I well, think this more is, about it, I probably do it, but like, damn, that's a big, well, one. this is, this is the, this is the argument that's happening right now with the Clippers, right? The Clippers moved everything for Paul George many, many picks plus Shea Gilgis Alexander and Shea is breaking out. And this is where we're at. 
Well, I want to I want to just change that to they did that for Paul George and Kawhi Leonard. I don't think they yeah. get Kawhi yeah. Leonard if they if they don't if they don't make that trade. I still make that trade, and I'm big on Shea. Like I've loved. Go listen to Nerder today or Friday when it drops. Like I went off on how much I love him. I loved him when he was with the Clippers. Thought it, it was a steep price to pay, but it was the right price. I think for for PG and Kawhi, in that yeah. sense, it's you know I think the bad luck of injuries and things is is you know we we always look at these in hindsight and say like yeah see it wasn't a great trade. Um, I think it's unfair, but like that's I mean the the Nets did that to get James Harden. Yeah. You know, like their draft equity is pretty low. Got a little bit replenished thanks to the Sixers, but that's not going to be a great draft pick they're getting from the Sixers either. And I think that's going to be the the real question that they they got to kind of explore there a bit. We know they're not there's no market for Ben Simmons. And again, yeah. I, I don't think there's going to be a market for Kyrie. So if you are going to blow it up, it's going to be KD. It'll be interesting to see what happens, you know, and that's yeah. what kind of makes them the interesting team because the on the court stuff ain't interesting. No, it's a, it's a bit of a mess, isn't it? Okay, let's uh let's jump into the two fun teams we want to talk about. And I think that you kind of want to shit on one of these fun teams, so we'll start on that. It's what I do. Um, <laughs> <laughs> the Portland Trailblazers have been one of the most fun teams for me to watch this year just cuz it's like a completely different vibe to me. It's from a roster building perspective, it's completely different cuz they went out, they got all of these wings, Jeremy Grant, they draft Shaden Sharp, they acquire Josh Hart in the middle of last season. Uh they go out and they get Justice Winslow who's been really really effective this year and it's completely transformed the way that they can defend, right? They're currently I believe 10th or 11th in defense, uh, maybe something like that, 10th or maybe 9th, something like that in defense and with Damian Lillard and all the guys that they have offensively, that's really all you need to be to be able to be at the top of the Western Conference at 10 and 4. Uh, obviously, the difference between the teams in the West is very minimal. It, it, I think that. I, I mean, let me just pull it up because I tweeted it the other day and it's even crazier today. One through nine is separated by two and a half games. Yeah. So in the West. That, that's where we're at right now in the West. It's just a crazy bloodbath every night. A, a where the bad week. Changing. You have yeah. a bad week and you could go from, you know, whatever, three to ninth in, 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 in a blink of an eye kind of thing. Yeah. Um, and maybe that'll happen to the Blazers at some point. But I like the way that they have altered seemingly their roster building strategy to focus on things that work. Having said that, I know that you have some concerns on the defense and its long-term viability. Let's go with. Yeah, I don't think this defense can last. Like, if you, you you're saying like, hey, if they and I'm with you, if they stay at 11, this team is going to be unbelievable. Blow out everybody's expectations for how good they were going to be and everything like that. I look at this team and the things that that I wonder about them is, I they're still switching a ton on a lot of things where they're putting guys conceding switches. And now I'm watching it going like, yo, you're getting killed. And they beat the Spurs because the Spurs inability to close games down the stretch with some really bad offensive plays, but they got picked apart in the pick and roll by the Spurs. Yaka Pertle dropped 30 on them. Like there's an element of, of that stuff. And a lot of it was off pick and rolls. A lot of it was Yusuf Nurkic can't really move the way he used to in those things in their 10 wins. Six of them are in close games, clutch games and stuff, and that's stuff that can go either way. Um, you know, uh, the, their two wins against Phoenix were 
could easily also have been two losses. And, yeah. and, and now we're talking eight and six and that would put them, you know, right around seventh, right? It's, 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 it's a blink of an eye type of stuff. Give them credit for what they've done. It's been really impressive. Some of the games they've won without Dame and Simons, super impressed. But like, I, I think this is just a hot start and, and I could see this team really falling off, um, pretty quickly and it could be just me being a complete dick which you know because you talk to me a lot kind of what i am um but like i have quite like they have a uh like a a plus 2.3 point differential and jeremy grant shooting a unbelievable from three right now like i think close hovering around 50 percent or 49 percent that's not gonna last that's he's gonna drop off that's not he's not that great he's a good shooter but not that great and I'll be interested to see how, how they kind of maintain once once that stuff begins to kind of settle back to reality. Yeah. So, like, there, there are some worry numbers here, right? Like, they're allowing teams to take 10 corner threes and teams have only shot 34% on them, right? Like, that's a really ridiculously low number, especially when you're giving up that volume. Like, I, I can pull it up by you know, open threes, I would bet that they're shooting pretty low because most threes that teams take are pretty low. Um, teams are shooting 34% against them in the mid-range. That is the second lowest mark in the NBA currently. It, it's they're, they're definitely getting some shooting luck, I think. A, a little bit of it at the very least. On non-paint or uh, non-restricted area paint shots, teams are shooting 37% against them. Um there's nothing like really in their profile that you can point to and say, Oh my God, like they're doing exceptionally well. They're actually allowing a lot of shots at the rim, which means teams are uh, capably at least getting attempts at the basket. I I think Nurkic has been pretty good around the basket so far, at least Uh, I agree with you that some of his movement stuff has been a little bit concerning, but I, I kind of, Mo, Mo, I kind of just want to buy them, man. Like I, I, I love watching buy, them. Buy them. <laughs> They're fun to watch. Like, don't get I, me I wrong. Like them. <laughs> Dame is unbelievable. I've always loved Damian Lillard. Like I, you know, like I, I am a, a fan of watching him play basketball. He's amazing. You know, Simons has has really been blossomed into this player. You know that they've been talking about forever, and it's yeah. finally becoming that guy. I think a guy we haven't even mentioned, Josh Hart, doing an unbelievable job for them. You know, and I think that's sort of the thing um, is really going to be the 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 thing to keep an eye on. And I see somebody just typed in saying they don't even have their best defensive player in Gary Payton in the second. You know, that's that doesn't necessarily mean you, you had Gary Payton and now now who who are you playing? Who are you taking off the court during that time in those rotations and things like that? And he's good piece. I like him, but I don't know if that necessarily means hey, we're just going to flow into. Uh, keeping this party running and things like that. It's it doesn't just it's not that simple. And yeah. I honestly think it takes time. And I think the switching scheme. Go watch the Laker game, the game that they beat the Lakers early in the season. You know, or or go find it on on my Twitter because I definitely tweeted it out. They end a the game. They they need to stop the Lakers from scoring. They have Jeremy Grant defending the, the the inbounder, who I forget who it was. I think it was like Austin Reeves. They, they did have, use Austin Reeves as an inbounder, so it's probably yeah, awesome. They had they had Nurkic guarding AD, and they had um, 
I'm sorry, I can't remember who it was on the uh, uh, the the wing. It was Winslow, I think, on 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 LeBron. AD screens for LeBron, and they just concede a switch easily for Nurkic to go take LeBron. You know, and 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 shockingly, LeBron got a dunk on that play. Gets the ball, gets the ball at the top of the three point line, drove right by Nurkic, dunk. They they switched on these schemes a lot, and it, it, I've watching them do it with with Simons ending up having to guard a big guy. Sorry, like I'm not really like looking at it, going like this is going to be amazing. You know, the the defensive schemes on those things. I'll be interested to see how all of that plays out. But like, why isn't Jeremy Grant on LeBron or AD? Because you know the screen's coming, and he can switch out and take LeBron. You know, and, and, yeah. and things like that. Yeah. There's there's questions with that stuff, and this is the things they're doing in their scheme, and I'm like doesn't make sense well the the other thing is that they they can play small if they have to in those moments like i i think that that's what interests me most about them they have a lot of upside to be able to play small and to be able to play switchable with lineups that actually can work in that regard right like you can play they've played justice winslow as like a sneaky small ball five occasionally right um like you could go theoretically dame Winslow, Josh Hart, Jeremy Grant, and then, you know, Gary Payton to finish a game on a defensive possession, right? And you're probably going to be fine. Then they're probably attacking Dame. And frankly, like Dame is so competitive a lot of the time at those end of game scenarios that I feel like pretty okay with him on a switch as long as it's not like someone who can just plow through him. I I don't know, man. Like I'm, I'm, cautiously optimistic i guess about the defense because i think that they have the pieces especially with as todd said in the comments like gary payton coming back i think they have the pieces to make it sustainable even if some of the things they do from time to time worries me a little bit i guess like does that make sense no no it makes sense and and you know i listen part of it too is hey the west is weird this year yeah you know and in in the way it is like nobody had the warrior six and nine to start the year right nobody i mean we thought the blazers would be six and nine to start right right just just that alone nobody expected utah who's beginning the slide but start the season 10 and three that was weird you know i mean like you're having some weird kind of uh things going on throughout the season the clippers eight and seven we thought they'd be a little bit better health is different you know with with that i just think like when you're watching all of this stuff with this team you're just going like hey guys like um you know i i just think we're still in the weird part of the season early in the season and they're yeah. playing more zone than anybody else and it's a good zone but the thing about that is everybody in the league's beginning to play zone it's this is the most zone i've seen across the league in a long time and I think you're going to start to see teams start figuring out how to play against zones. And then, and then, mm-hmm. so that advantage kind of goes away a little bit. I still am expecting their defense to drop. Shout out to Todd. Maybe I'm wrong when Peyton comes back, but we're also, what's he going to look like when he comes back? You know, like what's, you know, yeah. with, with, with that stuff, it's not like, is he going to come back and just immediately be hitting the ground or is it going to take a while to ramp up and things like that? You know, um, there are positive things, and yeah, listen, I get, I know what I sound like. I sound like a hater. You I understand like that, right, and I have bro. a couple of you friends who are hater. diehard Portland guys who literally just go nuts in group chats all I'm day gonna, long. I'm gonna stick it. Ian Carmel on you. That's what I'm gonna no. do. I'm gonna have Ian Carmel come to your house. No problem. I love Ian. 
Ian wants to come to my house and watch Blazers with me and point out all the ways I'm wrong. Ian, you're welcome to come through whenever you want, bud. Uh, Anytime. As long as you crack a few jokes along the way, I'm happy. Um, the last thing is I think this is the best blend. I've mentioned this on a pod with Schindler recently, but I think this is the best blend of scoring and defense and unselfish play that we've seen from Jeremy Grant throughout his career. I think that this start of his season, this is probably the best I've ever seen Jeremy Grant play. He's great. And this is why I also thought the Bulls should have traded for him. At the yeah. You know, I mean, it would have been, I mean, he's, he's everything the Blazers need. Like I was all in on this trade for the Blazers. I thought it was a great trade. No, no, no questions about it with everything like that. I thought it worked perfectly for them. This, it, it, there's nothing else to say. He's just been phenomenal. Yeah. No, he's been great. Okay, let's go to the last team, the Kings. Can this be a fu- purely like fun, fun space with the Kings? Yeah, Even though I'm, wait, wait, I'm worried about the defense. Let's go. Wait, 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 listen, listen. I crapped on all four teams. I'm gonna be fun on the last one. How about that? Let's just acknowledge it at the top. The Kings. I don't know if they can defend us all, but it doesn't matter because they're one of the best offensive teams in the league. Th- this Kings season has essentially gone exactly as we expected, like in the positive way, they are a top five offense and they are a bottom five defense. And in terms of the results, they're somewhere in the middle, but no team plays more fun games than the Sacramento Kings every single night, night in, night out. I find myself going to Kings games more often than anyone else. More often than you ever have in your life since Chris Weber left. Like, let's just be honest. Like this is the most interesting, interesting squad. Yo, I mean, like, it's amazing. Give Kevin Herter one more percentage of usage and you get this. You know, he's been phenomenal. De'Aaron Fox, he's playing at an all-star level. Yeah. Well, I have I have problems with his defense because, again, I'm a stickler and a jerk. But he is playing at an all-star level offensively. He's been phenomenal. Sabonis had a monster 2020 game. You know, like, you're, you're, you're watching from what you're playing with these guys and you're going like, okay, cool. It sucks. Keegan Murray's out, been out for a little bit hopefully he comes back soon but like it's it's fun when he's on the court they're running him off double staggers and things like that like they're doing some interesting things offensively like there's just a lot of fun stuff with about this team and 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 you know what's the best part the laser beam they have a laser oh you're in on the beam i'm in on the beam i don't care if people want to be upset i need somebody to film it when it turns on though I need somebody to be outside of the arena when it when when they get a win, and I just want a video of it lighting up. Hear me out. What if the beam ends up being the thing that draws aliens to Earth? They see this beam up in the sky from the Sacramento Kings winning games, and they're like, we want to find out what's going on at Kings games. It's going to be the beam that brings the aliens to planet Earth. As long as they come to watch hoops. We're good. I'm in. I'm in. And Sam, you really think they ain't here already? We already seen the videos that they've released <laughs> as in the government. <laughs> oh my God. Oh, they came because of the beam though. They're already here. <laughs> They're the here the, the, they knew the beam was coming. That's why. That's that's you know, and it's Sacramento. There ain't much to do. They'll get bored. Um <laughs> but I Oh my god. It's a fun it's a fun team. It's a fun story. Right. It's and and, and, it's my and favorite I, thing in the NBA. And I think this is kind of one of those things like give credit to Mike Brown. We'll see how this all plays out, but it's a fun start. Started 0 4. 
man, like they're, they're, they're rolling since then. Like, you know, it's, it's, it's pretty impressive with what they've done. And I think you're, you're watching them and just going like, all right. I mean, look what they did to the nets, man. Hundred, oh, they put up, God, what was it? Like 150. One, it was like 153 or something. Like, it's just, it was brutal. Now, granted, they gave up 120, but like that just means how many but, possessions were going, you know. But but it's still like you're you're watching this stuff, and it's like, hey, they got some talent. I really like the game they're getting from Herder. I like yeah. what they're getting, you know, uh, even from Malik Monk off the bench. Obviously, De'Aaron Fox, the bonus. They got some pieces that are interesting. The Herder thing was always so bananas to me. I have I still don't understand why Atlanta moved him. Like, I guess that maybe it was a money thing, but like, I just really, truly, I've always loved him. Like he doesn't get hammered defensively. Like he's not great on ball, but he's a pretty smart off ball rotator and scrambler. I don't know, man. Like this is, it's a weird move. He's an elite shooter. He can handle the ball. I don't know. I feel like that was a mistake by Atlanta. What are we doing here? I, I think part of it for Atlanta was they were getting DeJounte. They already had traded for DeJounte Murray, yeah, right? And yeah. then they traded. So they knew he wasn't going to get the opportunities. And then they had given him this extension last year. So now they're paying a, a ton of money to a guy who's they're They're not going to use basically for the most part. Ultimately though, oh, I think they, it, they need, they need him though. Like you watch their bench units. Like they, they need someone that can run the bench units with DeJounte because DeJounte is the one that's out there. I think they thought Bogdanovich was going to probably be more healthy or healthier. And I think that was who they were kind of banking on. Yeah. Um, and, and, and I love Bogdan when he's healthy, but God, please get healthy. Dude. It's, just, it's just asking a lot for him to be healthy. I think a lot at of this time. point. Yeah. And, 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 and the, the truth is, I don't think he would have ever gotten maximized in Atlanta the way he is in Sacramento. And it's not like they're doing he's doing that much more, but he wasn't getting that much in the past. You know, and yeah. I think that's kind of the 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 way I look at it. Yeah, I, I do get that. Maybe like it's a thing like we talked about at the top of the show where, you know, opportunity matters, development reps matter, and getting Kevin these Reps in Sacramento has probably opened up a lot for him at the end of the day. But man, Kevin is, Kevin is really, really good. Like he's just so versatile. Like you can run ball screens with him. You can run second side actions with him. You can run him off of like these weird DHO actions where like it's a bonus and like he's taking these handoffs. Like it's, it's awesome. It's so, I, I love him. I, I absolutely love uh, what Kevin Herter is doing. Um, not an all star or anything, but like one of the best rotation players like you know starters plus in the nba i think right now that like doesn't get nearly enough credit or excitement or anything in that vein um i'm trying to pull up their three-point numbers uh i guess that like you can maybe make a case that as someone in the comments i think jb made in the comments that you know sacramento is getting a bit unlucky on three-pointers they're allowing fewer open three-pointers than anybody else in the NBA, and they're giving up the highest percentage of three-point percent against in the NBA. Maybe that helps, but like when you watch this team, they give up a lot of open shots. They give up a lot of open looks, JB. Like I, 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 (laughs) I, I hear you, but I but I can't I can't roll with you on it. They give yeah, up a ton I, I get of the open numbers, but <laughs> it's 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 you know it's it's hard. 
in that sense. And it would be fine if it was like, we're not going to give you anything in the paint. But your rim protector is DeMontis Sabonis, so you're going to give up stuff in the paint yeah. <laughs> is, is kind of the deal. Well, I mean, listen, their offense, I don't see, I mean, besides Herder's shooting kind of coming back to earth a little bit, speaking of aliens, yeah. you know, kind of dropping back down a little, I don't see a reason why they can't still have a, a top five offensive rating type team, you know, and 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 maybe their yeah. defense can rise up closer to like the 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 – 20s and 18 type range and 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 oh, they'll be if, just fun if they finish 18th in defensive rating they're making like the playoffs I think. yeah like well, I, I feel yeah. good about that um I, I just don't know if they're going to get there you you mentioned the uh the inability to f- stop people at the rim uh, i mean they're giving up 71 percent at the basket this year and part of that is i think their transition defense it's just hard to play transition defense when you play that up tempo yeah um but like they're giving up seventy one point two percent of the rim, and I, I feel like a lot of that is often at the half in the half court as well. Like they they do struggle at the basket. And by the way, they don't really even have a backup option to like get a different look because Rashawn Holmes is also not a very good rim protector. He's no. a great rim runner, he's not a great rim protector because he's just a little bit too small to do it. So it's a little tough. It's a little tough, gonna, man. Gonna gonna be interesting with this squad. I love watching them though. Uh, the Kings are my favorite team to watch in the NBA right now. Shout out the Sacramento Kings. They are currently seven and six. And I just need Kings fans to be happy. I just absolutely need Kings fans to be happy. That's where I'm at. That's, 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 that's fine. I don't care. (laughs) (laughs) No, 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 let it be happy. That's listen. Part of my, my, I grew up a diehard Laker fan. So there was always an animosity towards the Kings. Now yeah. that I'm, I, once I started working for the league, my fandom went to whoever was paying my checks. Um, and, and now that I'm out, it's, it's, I'm actually, it's easy to be objective and not really have a squad. Um, so, but it's, it, it is hard to shake the, uh, years of disgust with Sacramento. So, it, you know, listen, shout out to you guys. Great fan base. Bring the cowbells back. That was awesome. But like, shout you out know, the, beam. the beam, I love the beam. Beam, great idea. Great idea. A little bit silly, but like, be, have fun with it. Why not? Um, let me ask oh. you this question. Does making the playing tournament, but not making it out of the playing tournament qualify as them making the playoffs? No, not to me. Okay. Cause no. I bet you if they, I bet you if they make the playing tournament, but lose, there's a banner going up. Oh my god oh my god that's you're just savage today that's where we're at we're we're just going full savage mo i love it i i don't know i'm just a grumpy person who knows i think i'm delightful but like maybe say, that's just... a funny thing you're like the most smiley person like in the world like you're just constantly smiling i don't know what else to say i mean maybe i'm just a jerk but you know uh but like it's just it's like not your brand at all like you're just like constantly i I just i I just watch it and and you know i'm like okay well i could see this i can't see that i don't know what else to say like with with it you know and and we'll see i'm i'm i want to say this though because i know we're probably winding down yeah this has been the most fun basketball we've i know we've had a lot of noise off the court but the on the court stuff has been it's great, amazing. man. The basketball has been awesome, you know, and it's so fun to watch these guys on a nightly basis. And like so many teams that even like, they may not be winning teams or anything like that, but worth watching. Cause there's interesting stuff going on. 
There's just so many more of that. It's it it makes it it actually makes our job hard, Sam, because there's so many freaking games I want to watch. There there have been nights in the past where I'm like, don't need to watch this game, don't need to watch this game, don't need to. Okay, I'll watch that game. Oh, Mo, that, by the way, imagine me. I have to find time to watch college games too. Yeah, no, I, God bless you because I can't watch college basketball for the life of me. It's the worst. Um, that's you, if you want to do a whole podcast on why college basketball sucks, I'm available. Um, but the, the, but like just finding the time to watch all these teams because they're all so freaking interesting. I love it, man. League's in a great spot. League's in such a good spot. Mo, tell the people where they can find your work. Tell the people what's going on. Uh, look. Y- you see my handle. Let me see if I get it right. Yeah, right there. That's my Twitter really? handle. Go find it on Instagram. You can find it on TikTok, uh, YouTube. Uh, I'm doing uh, – I try to do a couple Twitch shows of, uh, somewhat regularly, although been pretty infrequent lately. Um, but if you follow me on Twitter, you'll find all my work. That's where I put all, everything up when I'm doing stuff. I think I have an article coming up on Bleacher Report this weekend. Um, so be on the lookout for that. Mo's the best. Go follow his work. Go follow Mo Dakeel, D-A-K-H-I-L underscore NBA uh, over on Twitter. Like I said, go subscribe to this podcast on YouTube, Sam, or uh, Game Theory Podcast with Sam Ficini. Go subscribe on your podcast feeds, whatever podcasting app you use. Please go subscribe, rate, review, do everything you can to support the show. We will be back next week. Spins and I will be bringing down NBA draft prospects. Schindler and I will do something. God knows what. Uh, until next time, though, we'll talk soon. Bye. Bye.